Welcome to Podcast 42, the podcast that talks a little bit about life, the universe, and everything. And right on cue, there's an announcement. <laughs> As you might be able to tell, I'm back on my travels again. Nothing can keep this international man of mystery down. And I've managed to escape to an as-yet-undisclosed destination. I'm at the airport at Heathrow. I'm travelling to probably one of my favourite places in the world. And hopefully once I get there, we'll take you on a little bit of a walk around of some very special places there. So yep, I'm leaving the UK and heading out once again. What have I been up to? Not a lot really. Um, been locked down in, in Durham for a while. But yep, getting travelling again. And I'll get back to you once I arrive at the destination and see if you can guess it when I arrive. It's getting a bit loud here, as you can hear. I thought I'd choose a, an outdoor location for the introduction for a change, as it's been a while. Several weeks, in fact. Okay, so I'll get back to you then. Oh, I nearly said the word. <laughs> I'll get back to you when I get there. <laughs> what else have I been up to, actually, before I forget? Uh, just a quick shout-out to... If you listen to other podcasts, I'm a regular listener to the Three Sheets to the Mouse podcast. Um, excellent guys who talk a lot about Disney and booze and life in general. Often speaking in cursive, <laughs> which is always a good thing. Um, it's not for the faint-hearted, I guess. But give them a look as, I think it was episode... Once this announcement's over... I'll be okay. <laughs> episode 167, Three Sheets to the Mouse. There's a very special guest on there. Yours truly. So we get to talk a lot about Disney and just life in general as well. Okay, I'll get back to you because it's getting very noisy here when I arrive at my destination. All soon. Okay, so a mere 13 hours later and I'm just walking along here and I'm at another airport. Is it about 13 hours I did? Oh no! I don't know if you heard that in the background, but someone's actually just given away where I am. If you didn't hear it, well, that's okay. I had to stop off on the way for a change of flights. No real dramas, no upgrades, unfortunately, but did quite well. I'd arrived safe and sound. And if you haven't guessed where I am at all, a bit of a clue. On the way in, if you're a pilot, um, into McCoy Airport, I should say, there's a big clue. <laughs> Every airport has navigation maps and thousands of routes and waypoints or fixes, I think they're called, for pilots. This particular airport, McCoy, has names such as, has route markers such as PIGLT, uh, HKUNA, MTATA, and even RFIKI. So Puglet, Hakuna, Matuta, and Rafiki could be a bit of a clue. <laughs> There's also Jasmine, Jafar, Tatigo. There's double T, I believe, in that one, Tatigo. <laughs> And if you still haven't guessed, there's also three very famous route markers called Mick X and Min E and Ears S. That's right. I'm at the one and only, the international airport, closest to Walt Disney World, McCoy Airport, Orlando. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm heading to Walt Disney World, one of my favourite places in the world, as many of you know. Only my 22nd visit. Oh, actually, no, this will be number 23. Oh, my goodness. That's a good, I think I've spent almost a year of my life in this place. Ridiculous, but a lot of fun. Okay, okay, I'm going to head out, try and find a higher car, um, try and get to my hotel. Um, I'm actually staying on property, which is quite useful. And I'll tell you more about that when I get there. 
and head out on my walks. What inspired me for what I'm going to talk about today, as I head out the airport, <laughs> is you've heard of the couch to 5k. Oh, somebody's just crashed their trolley. <laughs> you've heard of the... This is very much one of the live, the livest, <laughs> the most live recordings I've done. So I apologise for background. Okay, you've heard of the Couch to 5K, the running app. Well, I'm going to do the Epcot 5K. It's a bit more special than uh, running. <laughs> okay, I better get moving because it's now once again very, very noisy. Every time I seem to start to record, it gets noisy, especially in Heathrow. That was awful with the announcements. <laughs> okay. I'll get back to you as soon as I get sorted and get off on my wonders. Okay, so here I am. I'm in Walt Disney World. Again, one of my favourite places to be. And I've got rid of my cases, checked into the hotel, and I was going to do something which has already had its plans changed, as you might be able to hear from the background. Yep, <laughs> I want a Skyliner, or Death Buckets, as they're affectionately known by many. So, my plan was to get to the Hollywood Studios. You can walk from there to Epcot. It's a very nice walk along a riverside, I believe. Is it a river? Yeah, looks like a river. <laughs> you go past the Swan Dolphin Hotels, go up to the boardwalk, cut through there, and then you get into Epcot, the International Gateway, the little-known entrance that I always loved, which has since been spoiled with what I'm riding now. <laughs> but it's not a bad thing to be spoiled. I've not had a chance to ride these yet and I was going to walk it but I've decided to jump on the Skyliner which will take me to I think the Riviera Resort and then on to Epcot. Um, when I called it the 5k it was I actually worked out on Google Maps that sad, sad as I am it was a nice breeze blowing through here they're not as hot as I thought they would be but there's lots of announcements so you'll have to excuse that. The headwaters of the Everglades. <laughs> so yeah, um, if you walked from Hollywood Studios to Epcot and then did one lap of the World Showcase, that's five kilometers, believe it or not. So that was going to be my couch to 5k, otherwise known as Epcot to 5k. <laughs> so, but anyway, that went out the window as soon as I arrived here because, as I say, I've never been on these Skyliner, on the Skyliner. So when we do get to Epcot eventually, I'm going to take you on a walk through Europe, Asia and the Americas and visit all the countries of the World Showcase. I've been there many times and I'd just like to share the things I like, the, the little bit of information about the countries as I think about it and Did another announcement. Yes, I did. That's pretty impressive. So what about the Skyliner? We're, we're just now going through, as I said, a bit of a forested area within Walt Disney World. I know there are five Skyliner stations. They're located at Hollywood Studios, where I've just departed from. The Epcot International Gateway, which is our ultimate destination. The Disney's Caribbean Beach Report. <laughs> Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort. The Art, of the Art of Animation and Pop Century Resorts. Always fancied staying at those. And also Disney Riviera Resort. So you've got the five stations where guests obviously board these gondolas, and they're very comfortable gondolas. They actually remind me of, from Mount Farber in Singapore, very, very similar gondolas. And very pleasant. I expect it to be a lot warmer. And it's nice just to float along and avoid the traffic. 
Um, as I was saying, there's five stations. There's a turn station near the boardwalk in and Villas. And you don't leave the Skyliner there, obviously. It's just a turn station. And they change direction between Epcot and Riviera Resort there. But I, I can honestly say I love the Riverside Walk from Hollywood Studios to Epcot, as I mentioned. Um, what this route takes away from you is I like to stop on Boardwalk, and you can visit. You go to the Abracadabra for a cocktail. I, I did say that rightly, in case you're wondering. It's not Abracadabra, it's Abracadabra. <laughs> they do nice drinks there. Or you can call it the ESPN for a cold beer on the way. But I just wanted to take this, so we're just coming into a station now. Hence the extra noise. But also on the boardwalk, uh, so you have the Dolphin and the Swan Hotels, which I've stayed at both of those, and the Beach Club and Yacht Club, which I have actually also stayed at both of those as well. I do like Beach Club and Yacht Club, the Disney hotels, because of their accessibility to the World Showcase. And I, you'll probably get to understand why I like it so much around there when I arrive. So yeah, I don't know if I play the rest of the gondola trip, but that's the plan so far. Um, we'll enter. We'll enter. We'll enter the World Showcase at the UK Pavilion, and then we'll see where we go from there. I'll take my preferred route, which is. Let me think about it. it must be clockwise. Depends how you're looking at it, I guess. <laughs> okay, which we'll let's have a look at the windows. So we're just floating along. There's not many cars about. Um, obviously, the results are very quiet at the moment. There's a nice yellow one with the Lion King on it, Welcome just going past me. <laughs> Oh, we're, we're approaching the Caribbean Beach Resort. Not a resort I've actually stayed at, but I've had friends stay here previously and visited and always looked like a nice resort. But now for me, I think I would be inclined to stay here due to the accessibility to, one, the Skyliner, and also Disney Springs, which over the last few years has morphed into this amazing place with such good restaurants, bars. Um, there always seems to be something going on down there. And free, of course. Well, not the food's not free, but you can access the area for free. I've got some in the distance there, actually, well, all around me. I can see some very nice, low cumulus clouds. That's the perfect Florida sky for me. It's very humid today. I'd say around, what, 20, 30 degrees, 20, well, 27 degrees. So that's about, what, 84 for you in the colonies, if you're listening still. And it's just very balmy, very nice. Much better than the 11 degrees that I had in London. <laughs> I can see the Spaceship Earth in the distance as well, which is a good sign. I'm heading the right way. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with Disney World, I apologise. I must go into more detail, I guess. But Spaceship Earth is the big golf ball-looking thing that is the... I forget. The, the key... What's the, what's the word? The focal point, <laughs> shall we say, of Epcot. Experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Yeah, I had to get that in. I did know. But yeah, um, Spaceship Earth, one of my favourite rides there. But we'll not be doing that today. No rides, no attractions. Well, there could be one ride. And maybe it's one attraction <laughs> when we get there. But we'll figure that out as we go. It's actually a perfect view today looking out. This is very cruisy, just sat in the gondola. A little bit of a breeze, as I say. It's not what I as high, high or as warm as I thought it would be. It's just a very, very pleasant ride. I'm quite impressed with this. This is this is a good move by Disney to put this in. It just needs to be all the way from the airport to here. <laughs> I remember years ago there was talk about putting a monorail in from McCoy Airport, Orlando Airport, in 
to Disney, but I don't think that ever materialised. But this is this is a great bit of travel around. It kind of reminds me, in my previous trips, I have always hired a car, and now with the advent of this Skyliner, and also the availability of Uber, Lyft, those kind of driving services, which is coming into another station now. Um, what I've found is I probably wouldn't be as inclined to hire a car in Florida anymore. It's nice to have the car if you want to go shopping or just have a bit of freedom on certain days. But if I was going to the parks, really when I think about it, by the time I've paid, I think it's $25 parking fee now, I might as well stay close by on property or even in a villa close by to Walt Disney World. And I will pay $8 to $15 for an Uber. It makes no sense to pay for the parking and have the problem of having to drive later. Not that you would drink every day, but it's nice to think you could have a beer and not drive. Or it's just the hassle of the traffic that you don't need. So yes. I think lots of transport options like this really appeal to me now, but would then would reduce the need for me to have a hire car in the future. Just a bit of an aside though, as we cruise along. And we're actually going over one of the main roads now. I count one, two, three, four, five cars. <laughs> if that. Oh, there's a minivan. If you don't know what a minivan, that is the Disney version of Uber. Very expensive, but very useful if you need it quickly, and it goes from the gates of the Magic Kingdom, for example, straight to your hotel. No messing around. We are now traveling along Buena Vista Drive. This road oh, Buena Vista Drive. Know it well. I see. You may be able to hear that, but it was established as a city, Buena Vista. Um, the whole Walt Disney World is actually its own city. Something I should talk about at one point because I read a book be called I read a book called Reality Land, which is really good about Disney World and how it was constructed. If you come across it, um, I can't remember the name of the author, but it is Reality Land. It is Reality Land, and all about how the measures that were taken to construct Walt Disney World on time and in the right location which obviously worked out. Oh, now I can see in the distance, I can actually see the skyline of the Dolphin and Swan hotels. Again, I think I probably get this mixed up, but the Dolphin is more of a convention type hotel. And the Swan, again, business kind of hotel. But I like staying at both of those. Again, it's a bit more, it's a bit better on the budget, <laughs> shall we say. And you can get good offers there quite often. And so just listening, we are arriving at International Gateway soon, <laughs> not too far away. But the hotels are very accessible to, as I said, the boardwalk, to Epcot, and you've got the Disney Transport, which will get you all over the world very, very easily. Actually, my favourite bus driver, if she ever listens to this, Shannon, all credit to you for that. <laughs> so you're just cruising nicely now. This is actually a very, very pleasant experience, just cruising through the air. Nice Florida cumulus sky, cumulus clouds in the sky without a care in the world and looking forward actually to a, a day around my favourite place. I won't spoil where we're going to go, what route we're going to take. I'll try and be as descriptive, about, as descriptive as I can because I have to remember that not everybody goes to Disney World as often as I do and I really need to not assume that people know everything about it. That looks like we're just coming over one of the staff entrances actually. Oh no, it's a gas station. My mistake. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of cars going in there. Okay, I think we're a little way away from the International Gateway now, so I'll, I'll just sign off for a minute and I'll get back to you as we approach Epcot.
Okay, we're now approaching Epcot. I can see the construction work for the Ratatouille attraction in progress, just to my right. Um, it's strange that as soon as I stopped recording, all the announcements stopped. <laughs> so I got, didn't get much more information. But I can see the Eiffel Tower um, just ahead. And as it says, construction work is going really well. The Ratatouille attraction is a replica of the one that is in um, Disneyland Paris. I've never actually ridden that in Paris either. Well, I've been to Paris many times to Disneyland there. But the construction work is gone. And there you go, announcement straight away. <laughs> At least I'm in the right location and we are arriving at Epcot. <laughs> this area, as I said, has been really built up. The International Gateway was always my hidden and secret entrance to the World Showcase and to Epcot itself. And it's like, oh no, I think he's going to find out about it now. <laughs> You can hear construction work actually in the distance. We're crossing over the, the water. I was going to talk about this little stretch of water actually because there is some significance. But I'll mention that as we walk over it. Not as we fly over it, as we walk over it. The Just to add though, the Skyliner stations are beautifully um, constructed. Kind of how I would say, I've mentioned this before in other podcasts about Jules Verne and that Victorian wrought iron kind of look. And it just looks really good. It fits in with the landscape beautifully and they have done a very good job with it. I'm impressed. This is my first trip, as I say, on the Skyliner, and I will definitely be doing it again. Okay, we're cruising into the station now, so I better stop recording and concentrate on getting myself into the park. More soon. Oh, don't crash. <laughs> oh, we made it. We're safe. We didn't hit the yellow one with... What's in front? Ariel is on me. Oh, no, it's Tigger. Looked like a mermaid to me. <laughs> it's Tigger on the one in front. Okay, so I've entered the World Showcase. As I say, I've got through the ticketing area. <laughs> no problems whatsoever. And I'm heading to the UK, the United Kingdom Pavilion, for my first stop. And what I didn't mention is I'm actually going to partake in a little bit of a drink around the world too. <laughs> so, well, as I said, it's, a, I think it's 1.25 miles if you do the full circuit. So it's still, it's still a bit of a challenge for me. Plenty of time to do it. It's a beautiful summer's day. Well, summer's day. <laughs> it's a warm day. <laughs> and there's a few people about. I'm just coming past the, well, kind of what I always think is a Windsor Castle replica. But as I say, I entered the, through the International Gateway. And I meant to mention about the water as we flew over it. And I said I'd talk about it. But there's a small bridge between the UK and the French pavilions. And that's another symbolic um, piece of water. It's all about crossing the English Channel. That's what it's supposed to symbolise. So if you take a look down by the wall, down by the water, you see like a bicycle park next to an artist's easel on the French side. It's supposed to be, I guess, it's almost like along the side of the Seine, I always think. But the symbolic side of it is the English Channel, or La Manche, as it's known. <laughs> we'll stick with the English version, I think. Okay, so I'm going to head to the Rosen Crown for a bit of a loosener. The well-known Macallan flight, probably uh, well-known that it's good value drink on the property you get three drinks and <laughs> it's not too expensive that'll help loosen any inhibitions i'm sure there's a little bit of music in the background <laughs> so i'll head into there and i'll join you again for a little bit of a talk about the united kingdom pavilion okay i'm here in the rose and crown at the united kingdom pavilion at epcot world showcase our first stop of the day as you can hear in the background, there's some music being played. The lady on the piano singing some traditional English ones. Very nice. <laughs> this is a British-style pub, obviously, in the United Kingdom section. 
and it's good for I always think for you can get your bass and your harp and your Guinness drinks here for a pint of beer and but the single malt flights they do one that includes Glenn Kinchy 12 year old and Auburn 14 year old and Lagavulin 16 year old Lagavulin one of my personal favorites but what better way to kick off our journey around the world today with the Macallan range flight they have the 12 year old the 15 year old and the lovely beautiful 18 year old with deep amber strong legs on it <laughs> I always do like the Macallan it's not my favorite whiskey in the world but I do like in Rose and Crown in Epcot what better what better drink to get it's the hint of spice plums dark sherry notes on it for me and it's just it's just a very nice all-round whiskey and it's a good one to get you going get you in the mood for a trip around the United Kingdom <laughs> As I was walking into the United Kingdom, it's it's good to notice that there's a row of shops there and the whole pavilion is set around different time periods. For example, the tea shop is... <laughs> the tea shop resembles a 1600s building, um, features a sign on the next one that says established 1702, the last built in 1800s in like a neoclassical style. So that really represents the Victorian London, the Yorkshire Manor, the Tudor, Georgian, Hyde Park, Regency... And even there's a Shakespearean cottage design. They've kind of crammed a little bit of everything from the UK into this one pavilion. I like it a lot because having lived overseas for many years, this is a little taste of home for me. It sounds strange, but when I'm in the United States, in Disney World, I will come here because it reminds me of home. <laughs> I can also get my Yorkshire County, the Yorkshire County fish and chips. I'll say that right one day. <laughs> and the British Revolution, the British rock band that play there um, outside in the garden is very good. And also, as you walk out, there's also a butterfly and not herb garden. Welcome to the lady on the piano. Let's have a walk out here where it's a bit quieter. <laughs> I think I'll continue talking about the UK Pavilion as I walk outside. Now, it's getting a bit full in here. Always a rowdy place. There's even a man with a Viking helmet. He's obviously picked up in Norway. Definitely a favourite around the World Showcase for those drinking their way around. Okay, I'll head outside. It's a bit quieter and I'll talk a bit more in a second. Okay, so yeah, I'm back outside and a bit, bit more peace and quiet. And just talk a little bit about the UK Pavilion, really. As I mentioned, there are many shops there. I see you had the there's the Lords and Ladies that do health and beauty products. The small, the sportsman's shop. That's kind of sweaters, knitwear, tartan, fabrics, that kind of thing. The Queen's Table for fine china, florals, figurines, that kind of thing. Like, very English touristy things. I do actually like to see these things. The Tea Caddy has some good tea items in there. You get sort of... Uh, sweets or candies <laughs> and chocolates that you usually only find in the UK and of course there's the toy soldier for British toys and games and you, you see a lot of the football shirts in there as well and I think that's more in Lords and Ladies though and also don't forget there's a few hidden things at the back of the pavilion there used to be a bedroom that was supposedly Christopher Robin's bedroom and that's right at the back of the shops and it used to be a meet and greet area for Winnie the Pooh and other Winnie the Pooh characters like uh, Eeyore, Tigger, that kind of thing. And now that's actually been closed off as it's not a meeting area, but you can still see Christopher Robin's bedroom there, which is just a, an interesting little fact as you're in the UK Pavilion. So as I, also I mentioned the various um, the styles around the area. I, I can see, as I said, there's the, the street pub, there's the Rosen, the Rosen Crown, which even, it even itself has three basic pub designs incorporated into one it's a street pub it's a waterfront pub and it's a country pub 
The exterior design is modelled after the, Elizabeth, the Elizabethan period from about late 16th century. The interior decor is more Victorian and the architectural forms of the 1890s. And you can definitely see that. It's very cool. Another thing I see is the chimneys on the houses and the shops in this area. It's, it's quite interesting because they are smoked stained to simulate the coal fires of the era, I guess, a Victorian era. That's actually hand-painted on, if you look closely. So it never wears out or fades away. <laughs> it's just painted on. Just another little Disney touch I like. Also, you see on the upstairs window of the Queen's Table, the, the fine china shop I mentioned, there are four crests, and they're the crests of the four schools in the United Kingdom. Not that there are only four schools, but Oxford, Cambridge, Eton, and Edinburgh. A shame Harrow wasn't there. Not my old school, but I used to live in Harrow. <laughs> and also you see the garden styles around there. Again, it's a nod to the different architecture throughout the United Kingdom. There's a rural England area. There's an open square reminiscent of Hyde Park. Um, there's a maze that's there, fashioned after the Summerleyton Hall maze that was built in 1846 in England. And just generally, there's little touches like this around this pavilion and all the others that I'll try and talk about now mention. So if you look in some of the shops, there's the Crown and Crest shop, for instance, you'll see several suits of armour, shields, swords, and huge wrought iron <laughs> chandelier in there. You can also buy your own coat of arms for your family. I think they can research that. I think they still do that in there. And we're, again, we're talking about different periods in time. As I mentioned, the TKD shop is representative of the 1500s. Like the, there's the Anne Hathaway cottage near the Herb Garden. Next to the Toy Soldier, there's a Cantelier building, which represents the 1600s. And again, if you look on the second story of that building, you'll see how it comes out over the street level. In the 1600s, taxes were based on ground floor space, so creative folks built structures with larger second floors that would not be taxed, and they've represented that quite nicely in this pavilion. As I said, there's a mini Hyde Park, and that buildings around there are more 1700s United Kingdom, made of plaster and wood. Then you see the 1800s buildings that become stone in the Georgian style. So again, they're mixing all of this in a very small area. Anyway, that's plenty of interesting or not so interesting facts about the United Kingdom Pavilion. But we're up and running. We've had a few Macallans, so let's keep moving. Where shall we go next? I know. Let's head to Canada. Okay, yeah. So we're now entering the Canada Pavilion. Canada, I'm a big fan of Canada. <laughs> a lot of my friends are Canadian. And they low I like my Canadiana. <laughs> Is that the right word? <laughs> but yeah, we're entering the pavilion. And just see on the right there's some a couple of rocks. Actually, there's a first secret of the Canada Pavilion. Those rocks when Illuminations was on, or even the nighttime entertainment is on, those rocks actually extend out with the speaker system. You might see that if you are walking past it. Like there's there and one of the rocks in Japan the same. We'll have a look when we're there later. So I'm just coming up the Northwest Mercantile, the shop here. There's uh, three totem poles on show in this pavilion. Um, the only one on the left is real. The one on the left as I'm looking actually. <laughs> and that was carved by Shimshan Indian carver David Boxley and weighs some 700 pounds. Yeah, interesting fact for you. A bit of education. The other two totem poles, they're just made of fiberglass stacked on top of each other. So at least one of them is real, which is quite interesting. I only found out that recently. I was researching before I got here. Now, come up the steps, and the other prominent landmark you see is the Hotel du Canada. And that's patterned after the French Gothic design of the Chateau Laurier in Ottawa. 
Again, see more research, more education. <laughs> but the Hotel de Canada is only three stories tall. To make it look larger, Imagineers added five stories of windows. Old forced perspective again. We can hear the the beautiful gardens around here of the Rocky Mountains. And the, there's a 30-foot waterfall that's here. You can hear that now. And that's the beautiful landscape of this pavilion. I think they've captured Canada quite nicely. There's the evergreen trees, there's the rocks, and, and the running water. And the old Or Canada was the attraction here. And now it's called Canada Far and Wide. It's a circle vision film. And that opened January of this year. And that's got the narratives of Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy from Canada. And Canada Far and Wide showcases the beauty and the diversity of Canada, really. I've been lucky enough to visit Canada. And it's one of my favourite places to visit. I'm looking forward to going there again. It's vast regions and natural resources. It'd be nice to get a job there, actually. <laughs> Also, as I walk down, I can see La Celia. Now, La Celia is a top restaurant. Well, it used to be very good. I've not been in there for some years. It used to be very good for steaks. So it offers sit-down dining with steaks, seafood, pair with wines, and beers of Canada. Um, was it Molson Pilsen we used to get here? Was it Rolling Rock? I can never remember. <laughs> but they only do beer and wine, which is a strange fact in there, actually. They don't mix drinks. And also, as you walk further down, you've got the Victoria Gardens. Well, the Victorian gardens and the Rockies sort of blend in together. And it's quite nice to have the two extremes. Beautiful flowers in there when they're in bloom as well. It's a nice place to cool down, relax, especially on a day like today. It's very warm, heat of the summer. Just sit around here, watch the world go by. And if the food and wine festival's on, of course, you can get some, some nice apple cider they usually have around here, which is very good. <laughs> But yeah, the, the waterfalls are a very good place to relax. The gardens are a very nice place to relax. Actually, one top tip. If you do go to the movie theatre here and you stand against lean on rails, so there's no seating in here, just remember that when you go in. So if you feel a bit dizzy, just stand at the back. You'll feel much better. <laughs> Personally, I don't suffer from it, but I've been with somebody who has, and they had to make sure they stood nicely at the back, give them a perfect view. Okay, I'm just hanging around in the Victoria Gardens, and to make up the five kilometres on this total journey there is actually a slight bonus journey okay so as we're in Canada we can actually leave the World Showcase and take a slight detour we're going to get some swine brine <laughs> so I talked about the food and wine festival when that's on you can get swine brine and pig wings on top of it oh just delicious so we head up to the port of entry just near the upside down waterfall for the imagination pavilion if you know it if you don't you'll have to visit and find out or use your imagination i think just walking past the waterfall again <laughs> so yeah you we head up there and the swine brine what's the best way to describe it it's a combination of apple juice lemon juice bourbon i think it's jim beam they use here which seems to be in all of the disney parks for bourbon and mustard now that all sounds pretty terrible mixed up, so I'm just walking past the waterfalls in the Rockies, making lots of noise here. But swine brine, I say everyone I know says, oh, it doesn't sound so good, but it's actually very, very tasty. So I'm going to nip up there, indulge myself with one of those. It's in the, what's it called, Flavours from the Fire. That's the name of the kiosk that's part of the Food and Wine Festival here at Epcot. I'll have one of those. And then I'll re-enter the World Showcase at the port of entry, which is the normal way in, I guess. Is that is that the right word? Normal way into Epcot. <laughs> and I'll meet you at the Joffrey stand near port of entry. And I'll start again there. A little bit of a walk. Admire the gardens. That's beautiful. Nice bridge over Victoria Gardens. Some beautiful flowers. And I'm going for a swine brine. <laughs> no time to stop for La Celia. I'm going for swine brine. Much, much better. 
and then we'll see what we can get at the Joffrey stand. Okay, so I'm back from my swine brine, which is very delicious, and I've just called at the Joffrey's coffee stand, one of four of the coffee stands situated around the World Showcase. This one's near to the port of entry. I'm actually just walking through, looking at the, at the lovely skies again, just chilling out. And what did I get? Well, a little bit about Joffrey's first, actually. I keep saying about being a bit ambiguous about thinking that everybody knows where I am and what it's all about. The Joffrey's coffee stand, this company Joffrey's is originally a Tampa-based company for coffee. Established, I think, 1994 or 84. I can't remember now. I have to check the cup. <laughs> but their cold drinks and the alcoholic drinks they have are excellent for the cold weather in Florida. So, what did I get? Well, I got a citrus sunrise, frozen orange pineapple with Grand Marnier. Double shot, of course. <laughs> Just to keep things going nicely. <laughs> oh, some very tasty they are, too. <laughs> but anyway, I'm heading now towards Mexico. We'll get some serious drinking done on this way. So we've got the Chota de Margarita, the outdoor kiosk that specialises in margaritas and other snacks you can buy there as well. Quite good to stock up if you're on a bit of a drink around the world, get some food in you while you're there. Uh, that's just the left of the big Mexican pyramid I can see looming up. But I'm not going to get a margarita there, no. I normally would. I might go for the Fiesta Margarita, which is the mixed one, which is very good. But remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> we don't want to start climbing pyramids just yet. If you don't know about the climbing the pyramids, just Google or YouTube for Drunk Man Climbs Pyramid in Epcot. I'm sure you'll see it. It's very classic. <laughs> it's funny. Always makes me laugh anyway. But I'm going to head into Mexico, the pavilion. I'm just outside the San Angel, sorry, the Cantina de San Angel, just on my right. Um, they do very nice nachos, I seem to remember, and tacos. But I'm now approaching the steps. I'm going to head into the Mexican pavilion itself. Probably calling La Cava for an ant egg salt with margarita. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but it's always very nice. The the salt they put on it is made from ant eggs. Very tasty. It's a top shelf margarita as well, which is always good. So once we get inside, it's actually one of those pavilions I really enjoy because out here at the moment, it's beautiful sunshine, it's nice and light. When you enter into the pavilion, it actually turns dark, and it's, it's great. So I'll start recording a little bit more. I'll get inside, and uh, we'll have a look around. Actually, while I'm stood outside, I should really talk about uh, what's inside as well. Because there's major areas of Mexico that are represented in this in this pavilion. You have a portrayal of the arid desert regions of Mexico. They begin, they can see near the Cantina de San Angel. But the Mexican tropics are represented by the Mayan temple, rising out of the Yucatan, the, <laughs> the Yucatan jungle, easy for you to say. And the, pre the Mayan pyramid is reflective of the pre-Columbian heritage of Mexico. And also, as we look at the pyramid here outside, it didn't always have those fabulous relief carvings that have the sides of it. Apparently these were added after Disney cast members noticed kids really liked to climb them. So they had to stop people climbing the steps. Obviously that didn't work for the drunk guy, <laughs> which really is epic to watch. I can't say enough about that. <laughs> and also the pyramid of the Mexico Pavilion creates quite an impressive skyline. You can see it from all around the world showcase. And it's modeled after the Aztec temple of, oh this is going to be a difficult one, how do I say this again? Quetzalcoatl, the god of life, <laughs> and Teotihuacan. Quetzalcoatl is represented by the large serpent heads all along the stairs, as I say, and they've been added recently. Well, not recently, they were added later to stop kids climbing. So, as impressive as the pyramid is, I'm going to head inside and see what we can find in there.
Okay, I'm about to head into the pavilion. I say it's a really cracking day out here. There's not too many people either, which is always very beneficial when you're in a bit of a tour around Mexico. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to enter in, and um, the first thing I'll come across when we enter the Mexico pavilion inside the pyramid is you encounter a gallery of artifacts from various periods of Mexican history, with obviously some references to Coco now thrown in. It's a fantastic movie. Very, very happy with that movie. <laughs> really good. And you pass through a formal Mexican-style portico into the temple. And it's the colonial inspired Plaza de los Amigo? Yeah, Plaza de los Amigo. Plaza de los Amigo, that's it. Where, the experience a festive, where you'll experience a festive marketplace underneath a starlit sky. As I said, it's dark. And it really is a magical experience because I'm just walking through now and I see, well, you feel like you're in a nighttime market. Simple as that. Lots of uh, Cinco de Muertos. Cinco de Mayo? <laughs> the Day of the Dead. Dia de Muertos. My Spanish is awesome, you see. Just looking around at the shops, you have the uh, paper picado, sugar skulls, and paper sculptures. There's pre-Hispanic um, art pieces there. I think they're on loan from actual factory museums as well. In there, and we have also inside this um, pavilion, there is the San Angel Inn, which is located in the back of the pyramid's lower level. And you can dine there uh, in the shadow of the ancient volcano. You can see that right in front of me. Lots of <laughs> three caballero merchandise as well. Which brings me on to the Grand Fiesta Tour, starring the three caballeros. Uh, that opened in April 2007, replacing the El Rio del Tiempo, the boat ride. But it's a, it remains the same essentially, but with a new storyline featuring Donald Duck, uh, Jose Carioca, the pirate, and Panchito, the Mexican charro rooster, from the 1944 Disney film, as I mentioned, the three caballeros. <laughs> I can even hear that now <laughs> as I'm walking down past the San Angel Inn. Okay, I'm just going to pop into La Cava. La Cava del Tequila. La Cava del Tequila. La Cava being the cave. That's on your right, just as you descend into the Mexico Pavilion. And I'm going to treat myself to a margarita. I'll be back in a second. Okay, I've <laughs> found my way outside of the Mexico Pavilion and just in time for the mariachi band to start up. This is fantastic, as you can hear in the background. I came out with my uh, margarita. I got a jalapeno margarita with the black and the salt, as I mentioned before. And that's, I found out actually from the cast member, this is a mixture of dried chilies, crushed black ants, salt and sugar. So there you go. <laughs> it's very tasty though. And it works very nicely on top of any margarita. It's a huge selection in there. You get like, I think it's a tamarind margarita, the pineapple margarita, lots of different mixes. I think there's an avocado one. That's, actually, yes, there's an avocado one that's apparently very good. I'm yet to try that, surprisingly. So what more about Mexico do you know why I'm here? Well, I've got the nice band in the background, so I'll tell you a bit. <laughs> so we have uh, La Cava del Tequila where I went for my margarita, that's La Cava the Cave, as I said. Um, that was a, formerly a jewellery shop in there, I believe. It was very, de very beautifully decorated, very atmospheric. You would stay in there very dark, but quite often full of drunks. So sometimes it's worth avoiding it. Apologies if the mariachi band is too loud too. <laughs> One thing I noticed near where I'm stood at the moment, and it's quite often missed, to the right of the Mexico Pavilion, just outside, there's a semicircular path. And that's home to lots of beautiful orchids and other tropical plants. We'll have a little diversion down there if you want to take a look. It's pretty pretty. So if you exit the pavilion through the door to your left as you leave, you leave the gallery and you'll find that just, just down there. Right as you look, left as you come out. Not too confusing at all. <laughs> also, other artwork I saw inside is this.
sculptures that are created by um, Mexican artists. And there was one of a bridal couple that's in there. And they were created by the father and son in Mexico City, whose family had been handmaking this type of art for over 300 years. So another good thing about Epcot and Disney is they do go for original pieces of work. As I say, some things from the museums, some are original artwork. It's very good. Very, I, I know I mentioned the totem poles earlier, one being real, two, two being not. But generally, a lot of artifacts and items are real. So yeah, worth, worth looking at sometimes. Let's just uh, enjoy the <laughs> margarita and the, the margarita makes you laugh. Margarita and the mariachi band. I do love a big guitar. And a trumpet, of course. <laughs> One thing I should have done is for our next stop, we're going to head to the icy wastes of Norway. And I did actually make sure I got myself a fast pass for Frozen Ever After. Top tip, you need to do that. So let's leave the singing and dancing and the joys of Mexico. Definitely one of my favourite pavilions in the whole of the World Showcase, if only just for the margaritas. But it's a lot of fun here, as you can hear. So we'll head down to Norway and see where we go from there. So I've arrived at Norway, and actually on my way I did pick up a little something to wet my whistle on the way to Norway. Although it's Norway Pavilion, there is an, there is an Icelandic white ale by Einstuck Olgero. <laughs> That's my best Norwegian. We're going to have some good fun with Norwegian pronunciations over the next two minutes, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm going to this beer while I'm waiting for Frozen Ever After. As I say, I do have a, a fast pass, but I just joined the queue anyway. It's not, it's not so busy, and I could sneak my beer in past the cast member if they won't mind. <laughs> just a note about the Norway Pavilion then. So this was built and opened in 1988. That was after Epcot opened. So did they just magically space for it? <laughs> no, there's, there was an opening day structure that is actually in the pavilion now. So when the park was opened, they built bathrooms with an old European style on the plot between Mexico and China, where Norway stands now. So several years later, when they were building the Norway Pavilion, the opening day bathrooms were then incorporated into the design and the layout of the new Norway Pavilion. Yeah, very clever. Good planet. Leave space for more. So the, the pavilion now has. So the pavilion now features the frozen ever after, the frozen ever after attraction, as I said which used to be the old Maelstrom, which I really used to like. Um, I know some people say it's not their Norway anymore. I did love the old Norway, but I can accept the frozen overlay. It's uh, whatever. <laughs> There's also the Royal Summerhus, who love the Norwegian pronunciations, where they <laughs> do a meet and greet with Anna and Elsa. There's the replica Stave Church, with an exhibit that's currently uh, Gods of Vikings. I'll talk about those in a little minute. There's also the Princess Storybook Dining Room, the Akershus Royal Banquet Table. Akershus Royal Banquet Hall for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And you get Disney princesses there, you get Belle there as well, Jasmine, Snow White, Princess Aurora, Pocahontas, Mary Poppins, Mulan, etc. Occasionally, Ariel will come with her legs, I think, <laughs> sometimes. But obviously, you don't get all the princesses there at the same time. But I think generally there are about four or five there. It's pretty good. However, I remember when the Akershus was just Norwegian, not, nothing to do with Princess Diana. And they used to do a really good breakfast there. I always remember getting early access into the World Showcase many years ago. And they do a traditional Norwegian breakfast brunch, a breakfast buffet with herring, fish and things like that. It was really tasty. I remember it being very good. And little known, there was never many people there, which is always good. 
Other places to eat here you have the Crindler Bakery, Og Cafe, Monovagia, who do you be in the Norwegian? Oh no, we've got a Swedish chef, hoodie and the birdie with the hoodie. <laughs> Other things around the pavilion. Here's a, a statue that probably many people don't know of Greta Weitz. She was a long distance runner. I remember when I was younger. I remember her being on the track, on the road, I guess. So you'll see that statue there. Often, often something is missed. And there's also the whole pavilion is built of four Norwegian architectural styles. See, architectural, easy to say, much easier than saying Norwegian words. I'll, I'll come to those styles in a second, but just talking about the shops as I look around, you have the Puffin's Roost, the lots of hand-knitted woolens, the trolls, the glass, the porcelain, pewter, things like that, and a lot of merchandise to throw in there. And the Fjording shop. Fjording is a great Norwegian place. And there's a big carved troll there. That's a Viking gear. And also, one of my favourite aftershaves, the gear aftershave that they sell there. They do a really nice set of aftershave and deodorant. Recommended. I actually have it on there. <laughs> so much um, Frozen and Frozen 2 merchandise now with the Wandering Reindeer as well. So yeah, four Norwegian styles I was talking about for architectural styles. There's the Setters Dahl style with the grassy roofs and the thick logs. That projects the rough look, like in the Puffins Roost and the Kringle Bakarai Og Cafe. In fact, on the roof there, they have grass, and it's the, the, <laughs> the horticultural cast members clamber on there to maintain it regularly. I've seen them mowing the lawn on the roof. There's the Bergen style of the Kringle, which is also the Fjordin shop. That's marked by gabled windows and close, closed set and closed set wooden buildings and close-set wooden buildings, and close-set wooden buildings. There's the Oslo style of the fjording, which is marked by the surrounding walls of the Akershus castle. And then finally, the Alasund style is typified by the white stucco and stone-trimmed information building there. Yeah, four styles. In fact, the Akershus castle has the same name as the famous 14th century castle which stands in Oslo's harbour. And it's the same stone control. And it's, the, of the and it's of the same stone construction. So yeah, a little bit of education about Norway for you. It's very picturesque, the Norway Pavilion, I always feel. Quite relaxing until they put frozen in. Good for a beer and a relax. <laughs> There's also, the, as I said, the Stave Church. And a little bit about Stave Churches, or Stavkirke. I think it's the Stavkirke. <laughs> oh yes. Oh no, we went all Sean Connery in Norway. Oh yes. <laughs> We've got Swedish chef and Sean Connery in Norway. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, the Stavkirke. They were built around, well, the first one was built around the year 1050. 1050, that's some proper history. When, who brought Christianity to Norway? It could only be one, Saint Olaf. <laughs> that's not made up, that is actually factually true. Saint Olaf brought Christianity to Norway. The Norwegians turned to the craft they knew best, woodworking, to build their new churches. They blended Christian symbols with Viking images and created these pretty impressive buildings. And as I've said previously, around the world showcase. A lot of this is actual, actual Norwegian or Chinese or Mexican workmanship. It's, it's really good. They really capture the spirit of each country, I feel. I, that's why I love going to the UK. It reminds me of home. It's home. So there were over a thousand Norwegian stave churches in Norway in, up until the Middle Ages, but only 28 of them survived today. The Maelstrom attraction, which I spoke about also, that closed in October 2014. It's really that long ago, and that made, for, that made way for the Frozen attraction. Uh, 
I also remember the Maelstrom's description read, Leave present-day Norway to journey back in time to the Norway of all the bod dragon-headed 16 passenger boats. <laughs> and it took you to a 10th century Viking village, populated by trolls, you go down the rapids. That was a great ride, I really enjoyed it. I seem to remember it breaking down a lot, though, especially in the rapids <laughs> section. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm in Arendelle now, looking at all the various frozen paraphernalia. <laughs> and, oh, did someone just shout, Yoo-hoo! <laughs> uh, go for a salmon while I'm here. Everybody's salmon, eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna ride now. I'm gonna ride now. I'm gonna ride frozen ever after, and then let's get back on the drink in China. After. Okay, so back walking again and heading to China from Mexico. You can hear us leaving the charms of Mexico behind. <laughs> I honestly could dwell way too long in that pavilion. It's uh, very easy to get sucked in there for a couple of hours because you could have your tequilas, your margaritas, get some food. Do the do the ride in there. It's actually quite nice. It's just a really good place for the perfect ambience. Anyway, let's leave that behind and head to China. Yeah, if you know me, um, I've actually worked in China and visited there quite a few times. And for me personally, I think the World Showcase is probably the best way to visit. China's okay. It's just not top of my list for places I ever really want to go back to. Although I do want to go to Shanghai, Disney. I've not been to Shanghai or even Beijing. I've mostly been to smaller regions of China. Okay, so what will we get to drink in China? It's the Tipsy Ducks in Love. Not one of my favourite drinks in the World Showcase. It's Actually, I'll give you the recipe. It's three quarters of a cup of brewed and chilled coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. Um, I drink, tend to drink more tea, but it, it's okay. We're talking of tea. The next ingredient is a third of a cup of brewed and chilled black tea. I'd prefer this with just completely black tea, if I was honest. But the main ingredient, of course, is the one and a half ounces of bourbon. <laughs> Jim Beam, as per usual on Disney property. And then two to five tablespoons of chocolate syrup, a quarter of a cup of non-dairy milk, and non-dairy whipped cream on top. It's very creamy, chocolatey, coffee drink this. It's not really for this kind of weather. I, I always think it's chilled. Yes, it is good. But it's a good pick-me-up if you want an energy boost, for sure. But I'll, but I'll drink it all the same. Okay, as you can hear, we're entering China. And we go on a journey with the ancient Chinese poet Li Bao in the ornate Chinese Hall of Prayer and into the history, culture and lands of China. So if you stand before the China Pavilion, just very majestic view on it. There's the, the gates there, the temples, lots of pagoda type things. Is pagoda Chinese or Japanese? Hmm. <laughs> and you have the Reflections of China, which is a Circle Vision 360 movie. Uh, that debuted May 2003, but ended in 2019. And it's going to be replaced by Wondrous China this year. I can't see if that's open. It doesn't look open yet, anyway. <laughs> and looking at the gate, it's, it's a perfect view. It actually, there's the temple in there. It reminds me of my time in Qingdao, in China, where I actually visited the Qingdao. Qingdao? Qingdao? <laughs> Qingdao. Qingdao is the city. Qingdao is the beer. And I was lucky enough to visit the brewery there. And when you go to World Showcase, you'll see the Zaoyang Mem, which is the gate of the Golden Sun. In the, Mex in the Mexico, in the China Pavilion. And through that gate you can see uh, the temple. And that is, for me, it's exactly the same as the temple on the bottle of Tsingtao beer. Actually, it's not a temple, it's the Hulan Pavilion on the Zhangqiao Pier. I hope I said that right, Mr. Wu, our Chinese listener. I hope I got it right for your sake. But yeah, I was on that pier when I was visiting or working in Qingdao and I went out for a bit of a day visit around the local sites. And I saw this pavilion there, the Hulan P 
Pavilion on the Zankiel Pier. Um, actually, a few stories from there, maybe I could tell for another podcast, mostly concerning turtles and jellyfish, but that's for another day. <laughs> okay, we're heading through China, as I say. I'm not going to dwell too long in the pavilions. I'm going to keep walking. It's, it's a nice, beautiful day to walk. But other areas of note in the China Pavilion, there's the House of Whispering Willows Gallery, which gives you an inside look at the Shanghai Disney Resort. Dining, you have the Nine Dragons, which serves full lunch and dinner, which is Chinese cuisine, obviously. There's the Lotus Blossom Cafe, which includes stir-fry, egg rolls, and a few daily specials in there. And the Joy of Tea. I actually like the Joy of Tea, because Chinese teas are excellent. I do like black teas and various ones. I do like green tea as my favourite, if I was honest, from my time in Japan. Hence, I don't drink coffee anymore. I, I changed to tea when I lived in Japan. Strange, I know. But the, the Joy of Tea is the outside one that serves hot, nice teas, and also the tipsy ducks in love. If you're around here, and at the moment there isn't any, but there's usually the entertainment is the Dragon Legend Acrobats, um, sort of an energetic <laughs> display of agility, strength and balancing by young students from the Puyang Academy of Acrobatics in China. So again, real, peop- real people from the real place. There's the Xijian, which is Shanghai Regional Folk Music, and they entertain people in the Temple of Heaven. So I say, if you, if you ever go to the temple in China and stand in the very middle of the round room, it's acoustically perfect. It's a great room to go in. The acoustics are fantastic. And again, don't forget, as with the Canadian Pavilion, if you go into the into the 360-degree movie and you do feel a little bit dizzy, don't forget to stand at the back. <laughs> Top tips, all, always thinking of your safety. Okay, as we're walking out of China, there's the African outpost I'm just going past. You can maybe hear the music. And... I, I quite like this little, it's, it's kind of a bit of a transitional point between China and Germany, which makes zero sense geographically, but the little trading post here, and uh, it just like, it gives it just gives you a nice transition out of China, it does something completely different, I always find, especially with the music. And actually, if you're passing the, the African outpost, you just should stop and go and look at some of the crates there, because you might get a little wet, <laughs> if you know it, those of you who know. Just passing the bead outpost there, selling beads, predictably. And also, if you're ever near the African outpost in the early afternoon, there's the drawbridge there, which you quite often see that go up. I've, I've been stuck there a couple of times when it goes up, and you'll see the barges used to launch the Illuminations fireworks. Sadly, not Illuminations anymore. I do miss that show. But you'll see the fireworks for the evening show being brought out via that drawbridge. So yeah, there you go. So yeah, that was a quick, very brief stop in China. We've had our tipsy ducks in love. Let's go and get some pink grapefruit beer in Germany. That's next. Okay, another slightly noisy section of the, <laughs> the wander around Epcot of World Showcase. I've just come through the square where the statue of St. George and the dragon is in Germany Pavilion. According to the legend, St. George slayed the dragon while on pilgrimage to the Middle East. So monuments to St. George, the patron saint of soldiers, are common throughout Bavaria. Also, as you walk in, I've just entered the beer garden, actually, as you can hear in the background, because I wanted to just see if the umpar band were on and get a bit of entertainment i'm not going to eat here i'll just pretend i am <laughs> just having i'm looking for friends i said to the cast member but when i came through the courtyard if you look towards the back of the germany pavilion you'll notice the clock and on the hour there's a wooden boy and girl emerge but also there's the cuckoo at the top that people don't often see there's also as i entered the beer garden oh hang on we've got bands starting up in the background <laughs> there was the boat ride that never was it's an interesting fact that I found out recently, and I came to check it out. But if you walk to the back wall in the Germany Pavilion, the one covered by a mural, and you knock on it, you can hear a hollow sound. That's because it covers the area that was originally intended to host the never-built Rhine River Cruise Boat Ride. 
It would have been good, I think. I always think that um, the World Showcase would benefit from a couple of, not thrill rides, just some gentle boat rides. So I know there was one intended for the Japan Pavilion, which was a ride around Mount Fuji, which I also thought would have been good. Anyway, the food in here is fantastic. Lots of sauerkraut, bratwurst, all, all different types of German foods, which I am a big fan of. I've also worked in Germany, believe it or not. <laughs> so I do know my, my krauts. Is that, is that incorrect to say sauerkraut? <laughs> okay, I like my sauerkraut. <laughs> and, I and I love a bit of wurst. Do your wurst. Or your Tommy Zivor is over. Oh no. <laughs> but also in the Germany pavilion, I've got my pink grapefruit beer. The Schofferhofer. The Schofferhofer? And let me get the pronunciation right. Schofferhofer. There's a little umlaut on the first O, but it's a really, really, really great beer. I'm a big fan, and it's very refreshing, and it's a pink grapefruit, Hefeweizen beer. Actually, the story of Schoeferhofer starts with Peter Schoefer, 1425 to 1503. He was a sophisticated maverick of his time with a distinctive taste and passion for beer. As part of the printing revolution of his time, Schoefer set out new technological standards. In the same spirit, Schoeferhofer Weizen became the new benchmark in German wheat beer, in German wheat beer brewing, by being the first wheat beer brewed outside of Bavaria. There you go, interesting fact. It's the same revolutionary thinking that led to the launch of Schoeferhofer Grapefruit, the world's first Hefeweizen grapefruit beer, in 2007. It's a really unique character flavor, and it landed in the US in 2012 at the Epcot Food and Wine Festival. And it's been very, very successful here. I know a lot of friends who are big fans of this beer. Me too. And it's also spread across the US now. The US is at the second largest market for this product. So if you're ever here, grab yourself a, a pink grapefruit beer, the Schoeferhofer, and also get yourself a jumbo pretzel if you're hungry. Ideal for soaking up those beers. <laughs> so I've got my, my grapefruit beer now, and I'm going to enjoy this and listen to some more of the Umpar Band. <laughs> Actually, before I go, the beer garden itself, it's, it's an indoor German courtyard, and it's supposed to reflect the 16th century town of Rotenburg, and features the the Oktoberfest buffet, as I say here, and some great music, as you can hear in the background. <laughs> also, another few things about around here. Make sure you visit the shops full of the, the Hummel and Goebel collectibles, as well as the Aribas Brothers Crystal. You can sometimes find the artisans working here on Goebel and Hummel figures. There's also wine tastings available in Germany, and you can see the German Steins, or German Steins, and the Cuckoo Clocks. And if you like geraniums, interesting enough, there's hundreds throughout the pavilion. Don't forget to check out the clock tower on the hour, as it, it's quite pretty, and it's a nice relaxing area around there. Often very busy, as is the beer garden, but if you like a bit of craziness, go to the buffet here. Highly recommended. Okay, I'm going to finish my beer and enjoy a little bit of music, and then head to Italy. Okay, let's keep moving on. We're now entering Italy. I do like the Italy Pavilion, as with all of these pavilions, are fantastic. <laughs> Italy does have a special place in my heart, though, for a certain reason from last year. But I won't talk about that. <laughs> okay, the, what, the Italian Pavilion. Actually, one a few interesting things about the Italian Pavilion. It, it's like you're entering St. Mark's Square in Venice. You pass two massive freestanding columns. At the top of one is St. Theodore, a military leader who played an important role in the early Venetian history. Atop the other column is a winged lion, the mythical guardian of Venice and a symbol of St. Mark. And the, uh, the architecture around here is a reproduction of the Doge's Palace in Venice. Since it would be virtually impossible to find an exact duplicate of the marble, the Disney Imagineers created their own. In this case, the marble is actually fiberglass, covering brick supports. Uh, so not quite original here. 
but that's been painted and specially treated to resemble a real thing. But just looking at it, it's, it's so authentic. It, look, it looks real. It's another job well done. Simple artwork made, <laughs> makes things look amazing. And also in the Italy Pavilion, if you look for little red buttons located close to the fountains behind the shops, if you push them, water sprays out of various locations around the pavilion. It's another, another thing that's quite often missed. The pavilion also includes kumquat trees, olive trees, grapevines, and lots of small container gardens in the area. Uh, also, when the Flower and Garden Festival is on, there is the topiary of Lady and the Tramp in this pavilion. It's, it's very nice. The topiaries are excellent in the World Showcase. So just on a quick stroll through Italy, Nothing, not really going to hang around too much. I do like the perfume shop in here, actually. I've bought a few things previously when I've been wandering around. A couple of good restaurants at the back, but as it, all the, the performers are always very good around here. But again, another peaceful pavilion for me. You can stroll around. Quite often, actually, in years gone by, I never really explored very much of the Italy pavilion, but it does go quite far back. In fact, all of the pavilions share the same acreage, for want of a better word. They are the same size, it's just... So there's no one pavilion is bigger than the other. It just appears that way sometimes. Although I guess with Ratatouille being installed, France might be much bigger now. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's Italy. A uh, quick, quick wander through, and you see the bridge. The bridges there are very beautiful. It's, it's having been. I've been to Italy. I've been to Rome, and it's a, very Italian here. I guess it should be. This is all very obvious when you're walking around these pavilions, but they do actually reflect the place they're supposed to be. Okay. After Italy, we're going to move on. That was very quick in Italy, actually. Maybe I should spend more time there another day. But we're going to USA for the American Adventure next. So, here at the American Adventure, when you enter the World Showcase from Future World, exactly opposite where I am, you can see the American Adventure directly across the lagoon. It's the centermost pavilion in the World Showcase. I guess for the obvious reasons, we are in the United States. And it's flanked by Italy on to the east and Japan on the west. And it's actually the southernmost point of Epcot. So I walk by, walking into the pavilion, I did actually go past the Fife and Drum Tavern. They sell turkey legs, snacks and beers. I didn't stop there because there's somewhere else I want to get a beer from here. And I'll come to that in a second. The pavilion also includes the audio animatronic show called The American Adventure. An amphitheatre at the American Gardens Theatre where I've seen several bands there. So, or the, the candlelight processional at Christmas is really really good there very Christmassy but also I was here last year during the is it summer rocks a rock to eat to the beat I think it was during the food and wine festival I saw the likes of Starship Tiffany postmodern jukebox were on and I actually went to see them in concert just after but you see some really good acts um, so <laughs> Tiffany was surprisingly good Starship for excellent and you get lots of other very famous artists there's, there's also the new fast food eatery the Regal Eagle Smokehouse they do craft drafts and barbecue and there's a small shop the art of disney uh, that's also in the pavilion and that's a nice little shop here actually that's quite hidden away and often you find some little gems in there lots of americana though it's great the architecture of the building though is done in classic english georgian style elements were inspired by independence hall boston's old state house monticello and colonial williamsburg the structure has 110,000 bricks and they are handmade from georgian clay so this this is an authentic building they were then coloured and aged to make them look authentic, though. <laughs> so they are authentic, but then they were made to look like the, the time period. The roof is made of slate and the floor of marble and copper. And inside the hall, it's, it's a very beautiful building, this, I've always thought. There's the paintings and quotation lines in the main hall, the west hall and the upper lobby of the attractions building. The quotes are from Walt Disney, Samuel Walter Foss, Althea Gibson, Charles A. Lindbergh. 
Archibald MacLeish, Herman Melville, Ian Rand, Wendell Lewis Wilkie, and Thomas Wolfe, to name but a few. <laughs> and if you take a look at the pictures on the walls inside the American Adventure, you see the one hanging in the corner to the left as you enter the rotunda. It's a painting of a World War II era B-17 bomber. If you stand on the grey strip of tiles on the floor in front of it and walk backwards and forwards, the plane actually appears to swivel to follow you. It's a good trick of the eye illusion. And as you leave the main lobby and proceed into the theatre of the American Adventure, you ride escalators or go up the stairs but through the Hall of Flags. And above you is a hunger collection of flags that have flown over the United States in all of its forms. It includes the Revolutionary War flags, colonial flags and foreign flags that once had claim to the land. And there are 44 in all. But what am I here for? I'm going to get a beer later and I'll talk about that. But I'm actually here waiting in the American Adventure of the Acapella Performance Group Voices of Liberty. These, this group are really worth stopping in here for. Even if you're not going to watch the show, just call in, get some, get some AC, <laughs> listen, to the, listen to the acapella group. They are very, very good singers. If you actually go into the show, you'll notice there are 12 statues, six on each side of the theatre. These are the spirits of America. On the left side of the theatre, from front to back, are individualism, innovation, tomorrow, independence, compassion, and discovery. On the right-hand side of the theatre, from front to back, are freedom, heritage, pioneering, knowledge, self-reliance, and, of course, adventure. They're all life-sized and highlighted during the final sequence of the show. Something you mustn't forget, because those are key words that describe the spirit of America, or well, they are the spirit of America, in my view. Also in the American Adventure show, as I said, you go up escalators or stairs. Have you ever wondered why you go up to the second floor? And I know this because I've actually been, I did the backstage magic tour a few years ago, and we actually went into this pavilion backstage and had a look at the mechanics of it. And it's because the presidents and other figures you see during the performance are all housed on hidden platforms, which are stored underneath the audience's seats. There's a very clever mechanism that manipulates these platforms into position as and when they're required. It's very good. That's probably the most understated use of the word very good, actually. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very often missed attraction. Um, some people think it's long and it's going to take time to go in there, but no, it's, it's, the American Adventure is a great attraction for me. It's a good place to sit and sleep if you need to, after your few beers around the world. <laughs> As I said, the US Pavilion, it's actually five stories tall, but the enormous doors and windows are, made, are used to make it only appear three stories tall. And again, it's the false perspective, I guess, to make it look correct. On the American Adventure, you have Benjamin Franklin and Mark Twain hosting you through your journey, and the scenes include the Pilgrims and the Mayflower, the Boston Tea Party, <laughs> the writing of the Declaration of Independence, Valley Forge and the Revolutionary War, Slavery and the Civil War, the suffering of Native Americans, the Philadelphia Centennial Exposition, the founding of Yosemite National Park, Yosemite School. Fantastic place to visit if you get a chance. One of my, I would say, top five places in the world. Then it includes World Wars 1 and 2, then a series of images depicting people and events of recent history as well. I know it's been regularly updated and the Golden Dreams film montage near the end of the presentation was recently updated, well recently it was February 2018, to add icons to the film including John Williams, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, ballerina Misty Copeland was added, Barack and Michelle Obama, Madonna, Beyonce, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates were added, Quincy Jones, Michael Phelps, Serena and Venus Williams, and also LeBron James. Some good additions there, I think. And also, at the time, the iconic song, Golden Dream, was then re-recorded with a new orchestra. So yeah, some, some regular updates to that is always good. Okay, outside of the 
American Adventure Pavilion. And there's a couple of my favourite treats around here. The funnel cakes. If you get the fried do fried doy treat, get yourself a funnel cake outside the American Adventure Pavilion. Really, really nice. Good energy boost as well. Keeps you going for the full day of uh, park wandering. <laughs> and also, as I'm outside, if you look at the clock face, and quite often I've noticed on some clocks, since I researched this, I discovered this is on lots of clocks. You see the num numeral IIII for four instead of IV, Roman numerals for four. Apparently this is done to prevent confusion when viewing the clock from a distance. And I actually saw a kitchen clock at home recently. <laughs> I went, oh yeah, that's got IIII. I don't know if all clocks with Roman numerals have this, but watch out for it in the future. But anyway, as you would view that clock first from a distance, it does make it easier to see the number four, apparently. And one last thing about the, the lobby was the hidden Mickey I spotted. If you looked at the painting of a wagon train heading west, above the front leg of the foremost oxen, there's a hidden Mickey. Good one for you. I do like my hidden Mickeys. <laughs> that could be a whole podcast on its own. So earlier I talked about what I was going to drink. Uh, one of my favourite very small kiosks in the whole of Disney property, actually, is the Block and Hands, purveyors of fine American ale. It's a very tiny kiosk, it doesn't have a lot of choice there. You can get pretzels, a cheese sauce, you can get a bottle of water if you really want. But they do give you an introduction to some great American craft beers. Now craft beers for me have become a bit of a strange one over the last few years. It seems very hip and trendy to have these, but there are still some really good beers. And my personal favourites, and probably one of my favourite beers in the whole of Disney World, is the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. So this is an award-winning sort of sipping beer and it's got a distinctive nose of well-crafted bourbon so it's from the lexington brewing and distilling company who they took their kentucky irish red ale and aged it for up to six weeks in freshly decanted bourbon barrels from some of kentucky's finest distilleries it gives subtle but familiar flavors of vanilla and oak and imparted to this ale it really gives the rest of the charred barrel taste as well it's pleasant it's smooth it's robust and it's just a very very nice beer I, i'm very good very much a fan of this you could even serve it as an aperitif or an after dinner drink if that was your thing. But really, it's a good, tasty beer. Not as refreshing as the grapefruit Schofferhofer, but it's a very nice beer. It's, I would say this is the one, you've had a couple of refreshing ones, you're now in the mood. Let's get some proper beer. Let's have some, some ale. Let's get a Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Highly recommended. I think I had four or five of these when I watched Starship, which made Starship considerably better. They were good anyway, but... <laughs> Okay, that's the American Adventure and the American Pavilion. Let's move on to one of my favourite places in the world, somewhere I was lucky enough to live for quite a while. Japan. Okay, entering the Japan Pavilion. As your eyes move away from the lagoon, you'll see the blue-roofed five-storey Goju no to Pagoda. See, Pagoda's a Japanese. Inspired by a shrine built at Nara in 700 AD, so we've got some very, very old history here in the World Showcase. And interest interesting enough, each story of the pagoda represents one of the elements the Buddhists believe make up everything in the universe. So in ascending order, earth, water, fire, wind, and finally, obviously, sky. So if you look at those, just remember that in the future that's what it actually means. There's also the bright red Tori gate which welcomes visitors to the World Showcase in Japan. And this can be seen again, it's another one of those iconic structures that can be seen all around the World Showcase Lagoon. As I said with the Mexican Temple, you see that, you see the towers at St. Mark's, you see the Rose and Crown, I guess, stands out. 
you see the, but the American Pavilion actually stands out the most. And also as you as you walk in, you see a statue on your right as you enter Japan. And that was actually a gift from the government of Japan when the Magic Kingdom opened, but was subsequently moved to Epcot when Epcot was built. And also I mentioned earlier about, you look at the rocks in Canada, uh, Japan has the same. So when the illuminations of the new evening show, nighttime show is about to begin, the top of these rocks open and you see sound and lighting equipment, as I said in Canada. So just watch out for those, uh, you see some rocks transforming. Rocks transform. <laughs> but Japan for me has some, uh, it's an amazing pavilion. They have some fantastic dining in Teppanido, which is the traditional teppanyaki dining room. Always good to see a chef throwing his food around. The new restaurant, Takume Te, is very high-end, and I'm yet to try this. I really should get a reservation and go in. It's a high-end signature dining, similar to the Japanese veneration of, na of natural elements to create a one-of-a-kind dining experience. That's how they, they describe it, and it just looks amazing. The food I had when I was in Japan was always first class, and I don't really want to be disappointed, but I don't think I will be from the reports I've heard. There's also the Katsura Grill, the counter-service eatery with sushi, udon, teriyaki dishes, and indoor and outdoor seating there. And you've got the Kabuki Cafe, which I'm going to head to, for a syrupy shaved ice, a frozen beer, sake, and some sushis there. But not much. But I'm going to get a frozen beer. Frozen Kirin draft beer. <laughs> I do like the frozen beer. It's not a hit with everybody. For me, it's just very refreshing. But you can only find it in one spot in continental US, the Japan Pavilion in Epcot. It is, however, also sold in Honolulu, I believe. But this is the only... <laughs> continental land-based place in the US. But it's already a big hit in Tokyo. I remember seeing it in Japan when I when I lived there. And it's sold at more than 650 locations. You find Frozen Kirin here though in the Garden House, the Kabuki Cafe, and also in the Tokyo Dining Restaurant. But I'm going to head to the Kabuki Cafe for mine. Just for the record though, it's, it's a light frozen topping made of beer that actually keeps the draft nice and cold for about 30 minutes. Not that I would make a beer last 30 minutes, but <laughs> the topping looks like nice cream, but it's actually beer and tastes like beer. It is beer. It definitely makes the beer colder and keeps it colder longer, which is a good thing in the Florida sunshine. But I, I do find it very refreshing. What else about the Japan Pavilion? Lots, so much to talk about here. There's the Matsuritsa, which is probably completely wrong uh, pronunciation. <laughs> oh, Mats Matsuritsa. That's it, Matsuritsa. Good Japanese accent there. The Japanese drums, they can be heard halfway across the World Showcase when they're on. And they're not here at the moment. Actually, did they get cancelled recently? I'm, I'd have to check that. But anyway, walking back to the pavilion area, you cross a bridge that leads into the castle. And just before the bridge, if you stop and look on both sides of you, there are two samurai warriors on horses. I really can't remember the Japanese name for them. Let me think. Kitsuma. Kitsuma. That's the name of the horses. Oh, good, good memory. <laughs> Recovered myself well. There's two... Kitsuma horses, which are the samurai warrior horses. Very, very splendid statues there. And also spend some time in the beautiful hill garden there. You'll find rocks, flowers, lanterns, pebbles, water. Very feng shui. And there's like rustic bridges. There's the koi carp there in the pond. It's, it's a very... The whole Jap Japanese pavilion obviously is very Japanese because it's the nature of the beast. But the feng shui there is excellent. Very relaxing. And you also have one of my favourite shops in the whole of Disney, the Mitsukoshi department store. You have some fascinating displays there, and you find fans, dolls, Japanese swords, kimonos, Japanese shoes, t-shirts, Pokemon, and also the freshwater pearls. So, well, let's have a listen to the pearls. Let's go and see what we can get from, see if we can get something in an oyster, shall we?
Okay, I'm here in the Japanese uh, pavilion department store. I've got Mina from Tokyo sorting out the oysters. It's not my oysters, but somebody next to me, but I managed to get to the front. Oh wow, that's really good. <laughs> Come on, must be a big pot. Super, super shiny. Yeah. <laughs> I love the so good. I'm measuring the pearl. It's a pretty big one. It's pretty good. Seven. Wow. Seven. Seven. Okay, that's good fun. Okay, let's, let's get out of here and one, I think. And head to the next pavilion. Oh, Okay. I do like the drums and the enthusiasm in this video. <laughs> okay, let's move on. And let's get out of Japan and head for Morocco. Okay, I'm leaving the madness of Japan behind and heading and entering the much more sedate Moroccan pavilion. <laughs> Just up ahead of me I can see the Kutubi Minaret, the prayer tower, which towers over the pavilion. And it's, it's another visible icon, iconic structure that you can see from around the world showcase. There's the restaurant Marrakesh, which is Moroccan cuisine, live entertainment, belly dancing, lunch and dinner, that kind of thing. And there's also the Spice Road table, which is another crack in the restaurant in this region. This, this actually, the Moroccan pavilion, has lots of hidden charms. There's lots of places hidden at the back. There's also a special wall down there, if you know the region. <laughs> but uh, it's just a nice, quiet walk through here. Just see now the Spice Road table on my left, overlooking the lagoon. Great views of illuminations at night. And it's on the dining and deluxe dining plans, if you are that way inclined. I think both lunch and dinner are one credit each. They do like spicy garlic shrimp there, which are delicious. And it's a great place to stop here. Spice. Spice Road table, highly recommended. So, wandering from there, going to the Tangerine Cafe, and again, the dining plans are accepted here. Just beautiful floors, the mosaic tiling, and a kind of open kitchen. As you can hear the, the music in the background too. But as, I, as you walk through there, you come into the courtyard, uh, the courtyard, the courtyard area. Beautiful mosaics again. There's a beautiful fountain, and a lot of this is to simulate or, or represent an authentic Moroccan home oh, in a small area. I know at the fountain area, if you listen carefully, I'm sure that you can hear children laughing in the distance as though it's a family home. This is just a nice place to enjoy the ambience. So I'm just walking through and again, you look at the different tiles. And also, of the tile work, one thing you should note is that they're flawed creations, okay? What that means is, if you look at the mosaic tiles in the Moroccan pavilion, each mosaic has at least one flawed title, tile in it. As local beliefs dictate that only Allah can create something that is perfect. So that's again, again another, another really good touch. Just walking past the Aladdin and Jasmine meet and greet. And <laughs> that that's always makes me laugh, that place. You don't want to get cock-blocked cock by Jasmine <laughs> in that area. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, there's the, uh, the unofficially phallic-looking named 
stick wall that's down there. And if Jasmine gets in the way when you're trying to get your picture down there, it can be a bit of a tragedy. And you sometimes lose the tip. <laughs> Don't forget you need the tip. <laughs> okay, walking through the, the souk area around this place on a more serious note, it's, it's actually very representative of souks I've been in in the Middle East with lots of um, bric-a-brac type <laughs> items, souvenirs, uh, lamps, hats, fezzes, oh, I, I, I'm a big fan of a fez, camel t-shirts, those kind of things. Very very much what it's like in the souks in the Middle East that I've visited, uh, without the craziness I guess, but they've got a very good representation here. I, I always feel, again, if you walk through the back of the Moroccan pavilion, y then you'll get to see a lot more. People do not do this, it's a very quiet area and they always miss out on, it's a really, the ambience again, I use that word a lot, is perfect for this, for this pavilion. Just looking, lots of, lots of clothes, some wooden carvings. It's, it's great, really, really cool place. Actually, thinking about the Morocco, Morocco and the United States actually have a very long relationship dating back to the 1700s, believe it or not. It was the first country to recognize the United Nations as a separate nation. Yep, I didn't know that until recently. And in the lobby of the restaurant Marrakesh, there are letters from George Washington and the Moroccan king. But yeah, it's, I didn't know that relationship existed. I guess that's maybe why Moroccan Pavilion is here. And again, all of the structures here were built by Moroccan, or designed by Moroccan uh, architects. I could really be in another country when you're walking on the back of this pavilion. It's the one pavilion that does that. I know Mexico does it quite well with the darkness and feels like it's night time. But, oop, just gone past the pressed coin machine there. <laughs> Don't forget to get those. Uh, but it really does feel like I've just gone past the Tangier Traders and it looks authentic. It really does feel authentic to me. Maybe it's not quite as dirty as some of the places I've been to, but they've definitely captured the spirit of, of this kind of place. I nearly said Morocco, but I've actually never been to Morocco. But <laughs> there's the tagine dishes for the foods. That's just, again, I can't emphasize enough. Have a walk through these little back streets and explore Morocco more. I can see two or three people in here. It's this really quiet pavilion. Very colourful as well, I should add. I'm just sort of enjoying wandering around here. It's the music. It's just, it's very chilled out. Not, not always what people think. Okay, after Morocco, we've got our final pavilion. And I think it's time for another drink, maybe. We didn't get one in Morocco, so let's hit France and see what we can find to drink there. I'll leave you with a few sounds as I wander around through the back streets of Marrakesh. Actually, just looking at the tower, now I see it again. Uh, one thing you should remember, this is again how much effort goes into these places. So the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, or MGM as it should be called, is a very tall structure, and it, it's actually visible when you're looking at the pavilion. But it's been designed to blend in with the Moroccan pavilion. So decorations have actually been added in the colour of it to ensure that it blends in with Morocco. Because it would look stupid if you had a dirty great tower sticking up the top of Morocco. Just a little touch, I think. Okay, I'm going to go and purchase a fez, I think, and then get to France. More in the next pavilion. Okay, we're now out of Morocco and just, just leaving Morocco. <laughs> and I'm going to pick up myself a Grand Marnier slush from the French, from the France kiosk in Epcot. <laughs> this is one of the best drinks in all of Walt Disney World. It's, it, it is the Grand Marnier slush. And 
it's just a very tasty drink. It's very refreshing, very delicious. I know a lot of people I know are big fans of this drink. Actually, you can make these easily at home. I have the recipe. <laughs> it just so happens. <laughs> it's one part Grey Goose Vodka, one part Grand Marnier, one part Simple Syrup, and two parts Quick Wear Sweet and Sour Mix, apparently. And lots of ice. Obviously slushed up. <laughs> so if you have a nice ice crusher, make yourself a Grand Marnier slushie and enjoy your French drink. <laughs> so... I know, just left Morocco behind, and what, what have we got up ahead? Let me just see. We have the Chef de France. That's located uh, in the France Pavilion, obviously. <laughs> the beer's taking effect now, I believe. And that features creations of its three famous owner chefs. Paul Bocuse, Gaston Renaud, and Roger Verger. <laughs> Escargot, Coquille, Saint-Jacques, French onion soup, Mediterranean seafood casserole, <laughs> and Ducalange. There's some of the flavours you'll find here. My best French accent. <laughs> That's all probably Grandmani and Slush related. <laughs> There's also Monsieur Paul, named after one of its founders, Paul Bocuse. The restaurant opened in December 2012, and that was the space that was once Bistro de Paris. Menu items feature French technique and tradition, with some modern additions in there. There's also the Boulangerie Patisserie Les Halles, opened in Epcot's France Pavilion, January 2013. That's a space adjacent to the movie theatre exit. And it's a new bakery and it replaces the former boulangerie patisserie in the pavilion. And it's much more spacious. Spacious? Spacious. <laughs> and it gives an expanded me menu. There's also La Dizande Glass. Now, I, this is not my favourite place in France because serving here can be very French. <laughs> the service just seems, seems awfully slow. <laughs> anyway, we're walking through Paris. As I said, I'll get my grandma near slush and I'll come back. Okay, one other place I forgot to mention was Les Halles. Um, they offer pastries, sweet soup, sandwiches, you can get a croque monsieur, a grilled ham and cheese sandwich there. And they do the pizza, pizzalet, bladier? <laughs> pizzalet, bladier. A pizza-like dish from the south of France. I can never pronounce that one, even when I order it. <laughs> the bakery, actually interesting enough, opens at 9am every morning, before the official 11am World Showcase opening time, and can be a convenient spot to grab some breakfast when arriving via the International Gateway. You can come in that way and get served early. So if you're staying in the boardwalk area, or just coming in that region, you can get early access. You can't do anything else, but at least you can walk through to the main Epcot, Future World, Tomorrow World, etc. Future Tomorrow World? There's not even a Tomorrow World here. <laughs> Future World. So a couple of tips in the French Pavilion. Impression de France. That's the must-see on your attraction list, to be honest. It's uh, you relax in an air-conditioned theatre, Beautiful music, scenery. It's a, there's also the Beauty and Beast sing along that's in France as well. What else do we have? Stop in Van de France. You learn about French wines, and French wine is the best. It's a cliche, but it is the best, to be honest. And you can sample wines with your wine passport, which also includes Italy and Germany. Okay, I'm leaving France. I can see the Eiffel Tower. Actually, interesting fact about the illusion of the Eiffel Tower. If a bird was to land on the top of the France pavilion, the Eiffel Tower, it would somewhat spoil the illusion of height, because the tower is wider at the bottom and narrower at the top. So any bird on the <laughs> perched on it looks huge. I've seen it once and it does look very funny. They do use natural bird deterrents to keep them away, but I have actually seen one bird there once in my life. <laughs> I've been there a lot as well. So I'm going to finish my Grandmania slush, and then I'm heading back to the Rosen Crown to get absolutely worth. I mean, to get some <laughs> some more libation into me ready for my journey home. This has been some trip around the world. 
and I'll join you again from inside the Rosen Crown. Mon dieu! Okay, I made it in the Rosen Crown as per usual, lively, loud, and full of drunks. <laughs> I believe the piano lady's about to start soon as well, so it'll get even rowdier. But it's been a great trip around the world. We've been to, where did we go? We started in the UK, we went to Canada, then we went, oh, we went for our little swine brine. I didn't, don't think I mentioned the pig wing that comes with that. I should really talk about that because the pig wing in the swine brine is one of my revelations of last year. I love chicken wings, but you can keep them now. Pig wings are the way forward. This is a cut of pork that's a little bit of pork on one bone, almost like a rib, but it's, it's not a rib. <laughs> but it's just a beautiful piece of meat and perfectly cooked and goes well with the swine brine. Don't dip it in though, just, just eat it and drink it. Anyway, that's another aside. So, <laughs> what have I got here? I've got my nice pint of Guinness. I'm a big fan of Guinness beers. Or Guinness beer. <laughs> so, where was I talking about? Oh my goodness. We had swine brine. We had our Joffreys. We had a margarita in Mexico. We had some Norwegian beer. Not some Icelandic beer in Norway. We rode frozen. We went to China. Had our tipsy ducks in low. Had our shuffer grapefruit, hefeweizen in Germany. I do like saying that. What else did we do? We went to Italy. Didn't drink in Italy. Should have had a glass of vino in Italy next time, maybe. Then there was Japan for my frozen beer. Oh, don't forget America. Had my Kentucky bourbon ale. <laughs> what else did I do with Japan? We had oysters. Morocco I didn't drink, but they do do some... They do do, they do do, don't do. <laughs> they do some very nice rum drinks there, which I've had in the past. France, I had my grandma near a slushy, and I did sneak in a glass of champagne as I was walking around as well. We won't talk about that. <laughs> I do like champagne. It just goes with my... What does it go with my travelling instincts to drink champagne? <laughs> okay, then I crossed... Oops, phone going. Then I crossed the channel back to the Rosen Crown for a few more beers. So I'm going to hang around here for a while. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening on my little trip around the world. It's been some time since I've escaped the UK. Oh, here we go. And that's Miss Carol. I think it's Carol Stein, isn't it? The piano lady here. I remember her. <laughs> I've actually sung with the piano lady here once. I think I was the last person kicked out of Epcot on that night. <laughs> okay, it's going to start getting rowdy here, so I'll leave you with a bit of the piano lady, and I'll catch you up. I'll catch you up. <laughs> I'll catch up with you next time on Podcast Forty Two, where we'll talk about life, the universe, and everything. Adieu.